welcome to the very first episode of Miss Molly's Believe Me, Psychic Stories and Paranormal Tales. Episode 1, Underwater Adventures and Out-of-Body Experience. Can we go swimming? I toddled forward in the mid-century style kitchen towards my granny Shar. Yeah, soon, she replied in her sing-songy voice. I don't remember anything between the time I was asked that question and when I started to go down the steps inside the indoor pool. As soon as I stepped off the platform, I had an unexpected surprise as I sank rapidly towards the bottom. What I had failed to understand at that age was that the Water wings, those inflatable things you slip over your upper arms, and the styrofoam egg-shaped bubble that they strapped around my chest was the only reason that I was able to float in the water. Gosh, I was probably four years old. I didn't understand. So as I sink down into the water and start realizing maybe I might be in trouble, this very strange thing happened to me. Suddenly, I was surrounded by this sort of like bubble. I don't know what other word to use. And I was in this space under the water where there was no water. So wild. And at the time, you know, again, I was a little kid. It didn't occur to me this was strange. I just knew something was different. And I inhaled this big breath, big gulp of air. The next thing I knew, everything changed. Water was going up my nose. I was breathing in this water and chlorine and trying to scream underwater. And next thing I knew, my dad was in the water pulling me out. And as that happened, I simultaneously was watching myself from the ceiling of the room that the pool was contained in. I could see myself wet, my pigtails dripping, crying, wearing my cute little red and white checkered bikini bathing suit with hippos printed on it and my parents gathering around me and family trying to make me feel better while I cried and choked. And then all at the same time, it was back in myself again. It was a pretty interesting experience, I must say. And it turns out that my sister went and tattled on me because she saw I got in the pool without asking. I didn't realize that this experience would change things for me or make me feel differently about the world, but I think it did. Now that I'm older and almost 50 years old, I realize at that moment, someone, something saved my life by giving me that one extra breath. I'm sure of it. And so I feel like this is the best place for my story to begin. As I write this book, I realize I may have to jump around a bit. Well, it's not really a book. I'm telling you a story. But anyways, I want to get all the pieces of the puzzle in the right place. I'm still learning about this world and the universe and spirit and energy. And I hope that you'll join me in this journey to find out what this is all about. If you are experiencing paranormal or psychic experiences or someone you know and you're curious or confused or lost, hey, you know what? Join the club. (laughs) 
I thought I was crazy, to be honest with you, with all the input I was always getting through my life from spirit, I misinterpreted it as my own thoughts. And it led to uh, horrible chronic insomnia, anxiety, depression, you name it. I had it all. But in the last year, and specifically in the last six months, I've had an awakening that's been just amazing. And with this awakening, I realize that I am an absolute, uh, I guess you could say, antenna for spiritual activity. And because of this, I've had to learn to be able to uh, differentiate between my own thoughts and thoughts that are coming in from other resources. I've also had to learn to control that I only get positive input and healing input and input that'll help me help others rather than negative input. But I'm going to start from where I can. And like I said, the stories may not be in a specific order. I'll try to keep them starting from beginning to end. And I would love to hear your comments, your ideas, your feelings about what I said, any suggestions. This is my very first podcast. And it was suggested to me by a friend as I told her some of these stories. She said, my God, you need to tell people about this. And I love to share. And I also have a theatrical background also in marketing. I'm a journalist. So it comes naturally to me. So let's talk a little more about what's happened to me. I'm going to start out telling you about my childhood and when it all began. So after the drowning, you know, I can't remember a lot, to be honest with you, but I can start a little bit further back and tell you about when I was a baby, one of my very first memories. I know that sounds incredible that somebody can remember that far back, but I do. I swear to you, I do. And I actually asked my mother if some of the things I knew about were true. And she said, yes. So I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio for the first part of my life. And I remember my earliest memory is being in my crib laying on my back. I'm playing with my feet. You know, I got socks on. And then the curtains at the end of my crib start to rustle. You know, this is bad 70s fashion. You know, they were like sheer, rusty orange curtains. Um, I even think there were little dingle balls or something trim along the bottom or something. Anyways, the curtains were blowing over me and I knew I just felt someone was in there with me. I was talking and smiling at this energy. And then I felt this warmth over me like the sun. And then the curtains floated almost horizontally over my body. I felt like I was being lifted by, I don't know, a loving grandmother perhaps out of my crib. But then I was carefully put back down to nap. I, I really am grateful for this memory. So recently, I'm going through my baby book to see if there are any clues to validate a lot of my experiences and memories of these types of moments, and my suspicions were validated. What I saw my mother had written in my book, Molly spends minutes talking to the ceiling at three and a half months. Another comment was, adores music of all kinds and sings to it, in quotes. It says, since in one and a half years old, Enjoys writing on walls and anything else available, which I can say, yes, I love to write on everything I can get a pen on. And there are times Molly isn't Molly, but Fudgy, a name she invented. All of these entries tell me 
what I now know, which is that I was communicating with spirit even as a baby. Another vivid memory of spiritual interaction was when we lived on this in this house in um, Shaker Heights, Ohio. It's this cute little suburban town outside the outskirts of Cleveland. The house was beautiful. It was sort of a Tudor style. It had a turret in the front. It looked like a little mansion. Uh, you know, beautiful green lawn, garden, patio in the back with a garden. It was beautiful. Our backyard had a beautiful patio and flowers and such. My mom was really good at gardening. And in the back, there was this sort of patch of forest, I'd call it. And there was a pathway that went through it to our neighbor's yard in the back. Uh, we called her Aunt Ruthie. And uh, as a little kid, we were allowed to go over there and visit. And she would, you know, treat us to a cup of juice and maybe a cookie or something when we went over there. She had this um, golden retriever named Mackie that we were just enamored with. And so we'd go over and give her a treat and play with the dog and visit this woman who was probably, I guess, maybe a little older than I am now. And she also had a housekeeper named Queenie. She was this um, African-American lady. And oh gosh, she was so dark. She was almost literally black, shiny, smooth, beautiful skin, white, white teeth. I loved Queenie. I really liked her. And she always acted like I was a little annoying, but she, she did love me. Anyway, back to the story. So According to my baby book, my mother entered three years, 10 months, high fever after smallpox vaccine, saw the shoe monster, in quotes. I do remember sitting in my parents' bedroom on their bed, feeling pretty bad, and just seeing the closet door of my parents in my parents' bedroom just open. And out walks this very strange looking, I guess, man. Uh, he had extremely long legs as if he were walking on stilts like a clown in the circus would. And he had an oval moonlike face, uh, no upper to torso, really just legs and a head. Pretty much. He was gnawing on my mother's shoe and looked right at me. He played it off sort of like he was this friendly monster, but he still made me feel a little weird. I told my parents about it and my mom would joke about it and, I was told it was a hallucination, but you know what? Now I, I wonder. Most three-year-olds don't really remember things like this as vividly as I do, especially if it was from a fever-induced hysteria. So last year, we we're watching a show on paranormal beings, and they show this thing called a night crawler. And when I saw it, the hair on my neck stood straight up. I knew right away that my shoe monster was a childlike version of this nightwalker. According to Native American folk folklore, these creatures, these strange, upright, thin creatures that have no arms, by the way, have existed for hundreds of years and have lived alongside humans very peacefully. I never did see the shoe monster again, but I'm pretty sure he's somewhere in someone's closet. So another story about this house when I was very small. My sister is three years older than me, and she got to have a private room on the very top floor after years of sharing a bedroom with me. I don't blame her. Who wants to share a room with your little sister? The creepy storage attic was at the top of the stairs, along with my mom's sewing room, a bathroom, a couple of bedrooms, 
And then this grand room that was called the boudoir. My sister had set it up kind of like a Hollywood starlet, complete with a clawfoot tub lined with blankets and pillows so she could lounge inside the tub and read. I was pretty envious of her sweet setup. And generally, I didn't really understand boundaries. So I took it upon myself to investigate her boudoir one day when she was gone. I couldn't have been more than maybe six years old when I went in her closet and felt this need to sit on the floor. Toward the right of her closet, I saw this little gnome-sized door. When I opened it and peeked inside, I saw this dark ballroom. There were spirits like flitting around in these black, tattered, chiffon-looking clothing like you see at the haunted house at Disneyland, right? I, I, I was staring into this, I guess, alternate reality. Then all at once, the door shut, and there was no door. At the time, I guess, being a little kid, it didn't occur to me to ask anyone if that was strange or unusual. I know for a fact I did not fall asleep. I was awake because I could smell and hear the temperature and, and feel the temperature of the room. And it was really too real to be an imagination type of situation. Anyway, another night in that same house, I was sleeping in my own bedroom and I woke up feeling like someone was in my closet. I was so scared to get out of bed to use the bathroom or see what was happening. But the next night before bedroom bedtime, I made sure the closet door was open so nobody could hide in there. I patrolled the closet before my parents tucked me in. I checked everywhere to be sure there was nothing hiding. And all that there was was clothing, shoes, and a few stuffed animals. Sure enough, woke up again, feeling a presence that seemed a little scary. I was laying in bed trying to figure out what to do, if anything, and I finally got up the courage to turn over and see if the door was still open in my closet. It was, but what happened next was incredible. I saw bats, of all things, flitting around the doorway and heard it like a cackling, like a witch. I was sure this had to be some sort of dream, but I still feel as if I was awake since the memory is so clear over 40 years later. So I stepped into the closet again, and then there was this shift, like a whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I was in this massive ballroom, swarming with spirits. The floor was slanted and uneven in old wood planks, and the windows went all the way to the ceiling, revealing a moonlit night outside. The energy was swirling as if I had walked into the middle of the great conjuring, and I was able to quietly back out until I was safe into my room again. Next morning, something said to me in my mind that Queenie, that housekeeper I mentioned that lived through that wooded area on the other side, would know something about this. So I went on over to Aunt Ruthie's to see if Queenie was around. When I arrived, Queenie was a very no-nonsense kind of woman, informed me, Miss Ruthie ain't home today. You can have a cookie, then go on home. Sorry, my accent's terrible. I said, no, I'm here to see you. So she blinked through her espresso shiny skin I found so fascinating and beautiful. She laughed and said, child, why would you want to see old Queenie? I got cleaning to do. Something told me, though, that I should tell her my story. I followed her around and she swept and wiped and mopped and told her what I had seen. 
After a while, she finally stopped what she was doing and sat down and sighed heavily. Come here, child, sit here. Child, this is not something you need to be talking about with big people, you hear? This isn't something you talk about. No how, no way. They be thinking you crazy now. Miss Molly, next time you think you know those things happening, you just remember you are protected by your kin. That's all you need to know. Now take an Oreo and go home and tell Miss Jill we say hello. That was what she said. Children are resilient, but also very impressionable, and it gave me a pretty clear message. I wasn't to discuss these things with anyone. And with that, that kind of activity stopped until we came to California when I was nine years old. Part two, California Dreaming. Unfortunately, my sister and I had to share a room again. At this point, I was nine years old and she was 11. No, 12, excuse me. And we had to move into this somewhat smaller house, but it was pretty. Um, my parents, my mom remarried and my stepfather got a job out here on the central coast of California uh, because he had been a former Air Force person and found a job working on the shuttle program. So this was late 70s, early 80s. The way that our room was set up was my sister had this uh, bed that was above our closet. So there's sort of like a alcove above the closet where people usually stored things. But we ended up putting a mattress up there for her and letting her sort of have a ladder, almost like a bunk, um, so that she would have a little bit of privacy. And then I had a bunk bed and I slept on the bottom bunk and we put my stepdad installed a shade that I could pull down. So if Wendy wanted to read, my sister wanted to read at night and turn the light on or something, it wouldn't bother me. And then I could read also and not bother her. And also I was kind of a little bit of a pig and it pissed her off. So she didn't like to see my mess. So it was just sort of like a way to give us each a little privacy. Um, so one night I'm in bed and I feel this presence, I guess you could say, at the end of my bed. And I thought maybe it was my sister because she loved to sneak up on me at night and scare me with these, like, we had this glow-in-the-dark silly putty. And sometimes she would put it on her fingers and come at me while I was sleeping and scare me. <laughs> so soon, though, I noticed it wasn't her. It, it, I hate to say this because it sounds so cheesy, but it looked literally like a Grim Reaper. Like, it had a black cloak, like a hood on, couldn't really see its face but I could see that it was breathing and I could hear his, his or its feet step on the carpet. I could hear the air moving as it moved. And I have to tell you, frankly, just even thinking about it terrifies me. It stood near the side of my feet, but it didn't do anything. And then the next thing I knew I was running into the bathroom, you know, puking my head off uh, the rest of the night. I don't think I was sick. But I think it was that spirit made me ill. It just was such bad energy. So after that incident, that's when I started having chronic insomnia. I would often lay awake in bed, hearing my clock flip the numbers. This is before we had digital clocks. Knowing that in a few hours I was going to have to get up for school and I was going to be so tired. It really made me moody and frustrated and depressed. And I began to sink into mental confusion and night terrors when I did sleep. My teachers and my family just thought I was a little off or weird, but generally I acted like a normal kid. 
until I went to my science camp in sixth grade. So another thing happened that changed my life. It was an awkward time for me. I was 12 years old, not quite a woman, still a kid, not a teenager, you know, those tween ages. Science camp was a big deal at my school, and we spent over a year raising funds through certain activities to enable our class of about now 20 kids to spend a week at this uh, lake in the mountains of Santa Barbara. I was reluctant to go since I had always experienced insomnia, insomnia and the idea of being in a strange bed in a cabin with a bunch of people I didn't know, potentially lying awake for hours did not appeal to me. I was excited about the activities, but not the overnight part. It's funny because when I was five until about the age of 10, I went to overnight summer camp four, six, eight weeks at a time and loved it. But for some reason, this camp was not something I was looking forward to. The first night there, I had my eyes open, was fully awake for hours before I finally drifted off. I was suddenly awoken by a presence in the cabin. The heater was clanking like a freight train, and everyone else in the cabin was soundly sleeping. But the presence became so strong, I began to shout out for help and apparently woke up my fellow campers and the counselor. Each night, it, it was worse to the point where I didn't want to sleep at all, and, by, and I would lay awake all night until the morning bell went off, and it was no surprise. I was moody, exhausted, and by the time we boarded the bus to come home, I was starting to get sick because, of course, I was so tired. And when I got home, my mom just gave me some Sudafed, over-the-counter cold medicine. But this is when I started having, I guess it would be narcolepsy, and night terrors. I began to sleepwalk, and I tried to jump off the edge of our deck where we lived on the side of a mountain. I would sing this song, Where Have All the Flowers Gone? I think the Kingston Trio sang that. I don't even know that song. I don't know why I was singing it over and over. And I visualized coffins and spirits. It was so horrid. I would fall asleep in the middle of school on my desk and scream in front of my classmates. It was embarrassing. And the worst part was my parents, my teachers thought that I was either faking it to get attention or I was mentally ill or I was just weird or what. I don't know. So they sent me to some psychologist who felt that if my biological dad came to visit me, I would do better. Well, this is when I started going to a counselor. He also tested my IQ, which by the way was 145, which is considered genius. So I can tell you with some confidence, I'm no dummy. <laughs> I missed a lot of school. I felt like a zombie a lot of the time. And of course, I got picked on so badly by my classmates because they thought I was so weird. Eventually, this problem, I guess, wore off, and they determined that it was triggered by this Sudafed I had taken, and I was forbidden from ever taking ephedrine or pseudoephedrine or any of those type of over-the-counter cold medicines again. Now, I, I know there was some serious disruption caused by spirit, and because I didn't recognize these signals or know what to do with this input, it, it came across as if I thought I was maybe crazy. I wish I had known then what I know now. I've found out that other people I know have had this experience. People that have psychic abilities often have this experience where they think they are crazy. But I'm not. 
But I do think this is when I started to walk around with a lot of self-doubt and this dark cloud over me. And as a young lady and as a mature adult, although I, as I mentioned, I hadn't recognized it till recently, I realized my inability to feel understood or believed meant I couldn't trust myself and my self-esteem continued to deteriorate through my lifetime. And I see that particular event being the most poignant moment in time for me. Once I hit my preteens, I got over being the dork at school and soon was considered one of the cool kids because I discovered, you know, MTV, you know, punk, mod, ska, you know, mohawks, fashion, all these things. I immersed myself in it. So that's the beginning of my first episode on my new podcast. And I apologize if it's choppy or doesn't sound really smooth, but as we go along this journey, I know I'll get better at it and I'll have some more interesting stories for you to come. I thank you. And I hope that you enjoyed these stories and you can relate and you share them with your friends and make sure that you Set your intention every day for positive spirit and only positive energy, love and light to come into your life to teach you and help you help yourself and serve others. I want you to have a wonderful day or evening, whichever it is. And I look forward to telling you a whole nother group of stories. <laughs>